thank you, Pastor Nate, for this wonderful time to be able to stand here and proclaim to you the word of the Lord. Um, in reverence of the reading of God's word, I would want all of us to be in standing position as we open our Bibles to the book of First Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. First Samuel chapter 1. We are going to be reading verses 1 through 18. First Samuel chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. It says, or it reads, There was a certain man of Ramatam Zophim, of the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tahu, son of Zuf, an Ephratite. He had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he will give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her because the Lord had closed her womb. So it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord, she used to provide, I mean, she used to provoke her. Uh, therefore, Hannah wept and would not eat, and Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you not eat, and why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? And after they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Now, Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat beside the doorpost of the temple of the Lord. She was deeply distressed and prayed to the Lord and wept bitterly. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your servant and remember me and not forget your servant, but will give to your servant a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life, and no razor shall touch his head. As she continued praying before the Lord, Eli observed her mouth. Hannah was speaking in her heart, and her lips moved, and her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli took her to be a drunken woman. And Eli said to her, How long will you go on being drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered, No, my Lord, I am a woman troubled in spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but I have been pouring out my soul before the Lord. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, Go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you have made to him. And she said, let your servant find favor in your eyes. 
Then the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. May the Lord bless the reading of his words in our hearts, in Jesus' name. Let's take our seats as we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, this morning we come to you with humility of heart, knowing fully that you are the King of kings. We are gathered to corporately worship you because you have chosen us and purchased us by the blood of the Lamb that was shed on the cross of Calvary. And that is the reason why we are made righteous. Just as your word tells us that we are the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. And we are gathered here, O oh God, to return praise unto you because you deserve it. We are gathered here this morning to return thanks to you because you are worthy of our thanks. We are gathered here this morning, our God and our Father, to worship you as our true and living God. The one who is worthy to be praised. The one who is worthy to be worshipped. And I pray, O oh God in heaven, that our hearts this morning will be acceptable unto thy sight. And I pray that, Lord, our praises will provoke blessings from heaven. That you would open the floodgates of heaven and pour upon your children, we, your blessings. And I pray, Father in heaven, that as your word will come forth, that let your word that is the power of God for the salvation of men spring forth in such a way that lives will be impacted by eternal truths. And that lives will be touched. And not only be touched, that lives will be transformed. And not only be transformed, that lives will be a reflection of the radiance of your majestic glory. Our God and our Father, I pray that Jesus will be exalted. This morning, even as you use me as a weak vessel to honor yourself. It is in the name of Jesus I have prayed. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. Um, you know, this morning I want to share with us um, from this text uh, a, that a title or a topic that says, Trust in the Lord in the midst of distress. Trust in the Lord in the midst of distress. There are a whole lot of issues that we can consider things that makes us to feel uncomfortable. There are a whole lot of issues or things that are happening out there that we can see and experience and that we've been experiencing and we know that these truly are moments of sorrow. These truly are moments of pain. These are moments of bitterness. These are moments of struggle. Now, let me, let me begin with the story of my father. My father was born in a polygamous uh, family or a family that you can call a dysfunctional family. And his father, you know, at some point sent his mother away from the, from the family. And it was more of a celeb I mean, separation. It's not, it's not a divorce because it does not have any, any legal, uh, you know, backing. And so when my mother left the home, you know, my father became a wanderer, more of a wanderer in his own father's house because his father was married to five wives. And then in a polygamous setting, usually the mothers take care of their own children. The father is just a central figure. He makes sure that things are well coordinated. He makes sure that, you know, the security of his family is intact. He makes sure 
that the family is being provided what they need. But it is the responsibility of the mother to take care of her own children. When my father's mother was not there, what my father did was to leave his own family. He left and went to his uncle's house. His uncle welcomed him and accommodated him in his own family. And my father stayed there. My father found himself in a distressful situation. And in that distressing situation, he met the Lord Jesus Christ. He came to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ as a, as a result of the activities of SIM missionaries. SIM missionaries were previously known as the Sudan Interior Mission. It's an organization. But presently known as Savini Mission. And so when the missionaries went to a neighboring village and preaching the gospel, my father happened to be there and he heard about Jesus. That was how he came to faith. And since my father became a Christian, my father was so passionate about the Lord. He loved the Lord so much that he had to be walking a long distance to be able to go to church just to hear the word of God being preached. And since then, my father had not stopped praying for his family. He kept praying for his family that the Lord would restore peace in that family. This was the kind of context that Hannah found herself. It was a dysfunctional context that she found herself a distressful situation for her because of barrenness. Hannah womb was closed by God and Penina was there provoking Hannah to anger in that type of context. And so Elkanah being the husband was a spiritual person because you know the, the picture that we've gotten from the text shows to us that Elkanah used to leave his destination, his town and go to Shiloh with his family. Once in a year, and that's the whole idea, year in, year out. They go to Shiloh. And when they go to Shiloh, what they do in Shiloh is to do what? Is to worship the Lord and to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And so usually Elkanah will go all together with his own family to Shiloh to worship the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. And so Elkanah had to move together with his family. And Hannah... Had no option. But I, I believe Hannah can make excuses because of what was going on between her and Penina not to go. But Hannah was just being faithful. And then all the time she finds herself a child. It was only the time that, you know, when you read the story that when Samuel was born, that was when she gave an excuse. When Elkanah said, let's go to Shiloh. She said, you know what? Why can I take care of this baby until I win him? Then... I will go leave him as I promised. Now, the word Shiloh in this place is key. And I want to talk about Shiloh. Shiloh is a promise. It can be considered as a promise in this place. Shiloh can refer to a person in the text. Shiloh can also be referred to, a, of course it's a place. Of course it's a place according to the text. And so, Patrick, their own father, or their own, yeah, Father Jacob spoke about Shiloh in his deathbed. When he was dying, Jacob 
called his children and made a proclamation that turned to be a messianic prediction. And Jacob gave this promise to the tribe of Judah. Jacob declared in Genesis chapter 49 verse 10 where he said that the scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of his people. Or his peoples. Did you hear that? Until Shiloh comes. So Shiloh in this place is personified. And most commentators agree that Jacob's prediction truly has a messianic significance. And that included the promise of kings of Israel that came. And through the Davidic line, the Messiah came. And so you could see that prediction. You, you can trace the prediction. And that, conclusively, we can agree it has a messianic significance. And so ultimately, the tribe of Judah would produce Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that. That clearly it says that the Lord descended from Judah. Now, if you go to Revelation chapter 5, verse 5, you hear clearly there the lion of the tribe of Judah. The prediction that was made earlier. The lion of the tribe of Judah. We all make a reference to the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Now, after Israel entered the promised land, the tabernacle of Moses rested from its wandering where? Guess, it rested at Shiloh. Now, you can imagine how significant Shiloh is. How very important Shiloh is. The tabernacle rested in Shiloh. I mean, you can make reference to that in Joshua chapter 18, verse 1. Shiloh is a place and is known as the land of promise. A tabernacle of the Lord rested there. Shiloh in the text where we have read is mentioned as the house of the Lord. For Samuel in chapter 1 verse 24, if you look at it, the B part of it mentioned that. And it is also seen in verse 3 where we have read, it says it is the house of worship. It is the house of sacrifice. And that was also, it was mentioned in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verses 5 and 7. Verse 5 to 7. And ultimately, it was a house of rest. It was a house of rest. No wonder Elkanah had to tell his family, let's go to Shiloh so that we can go to have rest in the house of the Lord. And now, look at the connection here. The connection is clearly, you know, revealed in the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. When Jesus himself, being the very one that was predicted by Jacob on his deathbed to his children, Jesus mentioned clearly, come to me, all ye who are weary. 
and are burdened. And in my place, you would find rest for your soul. Now, look at the connection. They went to Shiloh to find rest in, in Shiloh. Now, if there's one thing that I want you to know or to get this morning, and I, I will say it clearly, is the thesis of the text that we have considered this morning. If you get that, you can, sleep, you can go ahead and sleep, but I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you should go to sleep. Please don't sleep. What you need to get is the fact that what is impossible for human is possible for God. Therefore, you, believer, will have to put your trust in the one who is sovereign over all creation. What is possible, what is impossible for human is possible for God. So, therefore, trust in God. And this takes us to the first point that I've seen in the text. And I want you this morning to always go to the presence of God amidst distress. When there is distress, distress shouldn't stop you from going to the Lord or going to the presence of God. Always have that desire. I've seen it clearly in the life of Hannah. Hannah had reasons to say, no, I cannot go Why Penina is there. Because the text tells us that whenever they go to the house of the Lord, Penina keeps provoking her. She, she just, why? Would the text tells us that? When they go to the house of the Lord, she provokes her to anger. Grievously. But Hannah kept going to the house of the Lord. And I think it's a principle that we need to learn from. That we don't forsake God's presence as a result of situation or distress or bitterness or pain or suffering. Whatever you think of shouldn't stop us from going to the presence of God because in the presence of God Hebrews chapter 4 verse 6 tells us there is mercy and grace when we need it in the presence of God. And that was what Hannah did exactly after understanding that. She showed up in the presence of God. She didn't just wait to get herself cleaned up from the trouble. She went to the tabernacle at Shiloh. She entered broken. She entered resentful. She entered bitter. She entered unhappy. She entered with a feeling of being defeated because Penina was there to always provoke her to anger. And you know what? Distress, like I said, can make you be broken. It can make you to be resentful. It can make you to be bitter. And it can make you to quit the presence of God because you can use that as an Excuse. Now, let me, let me give you a story of a colleague of mine uh, at, uh, you know, the, the seminary's facility because I, I used to walk there. And one day we were walking, I look at this brother and said to him, hey, brother, what church do you go to? Just, just to kind of create a, a, a gospel conversation, okay? Maybe the Lord will use that for me to kind of present the gospel to him. I wasn't sure if he was a Christian, you know. And he said to me, hey, I don't do church. You don't do church? What happened? He said, oh no, church is just full of bunch of hypocrites. 
Now, problem for that, I discovered that he had a lot of issues in church. And these are issues that he just sits by himself and think about it within his mind and draw a conclusion within his mind. And that made him not to go to church. Now, now look at it. He's not just talking about a physical uh, sense of a church, going to church. He doesn't even belong to a church. And the desire and the thirst to yearn for God was not there because he has problems with Christians. And you know what? The saddest part of the story is that after my conversation with him, it didn't take long that brother died. He died of a cardiac arrest. Very strong, energetic young brother. I say, oh my Lord. I just hope, I just hope that he has a relationship with Jesus so that you will not suffer bitterness in your heart here. So that you will not suffer resentment in your heart here. And then suffer in eternity. Distress situations could be brokenness. Brokenness in our homes, it could be brokenness in our relationships. That can take us to the level of feeling that we need to quit the presence of God. Distress situation could be this idea of identity crisis. When you are struggling, you don't even know where you belong to. It can be a distress situation. Bereavement when you lose a loved one. Someone that is so dear to you. Someone that is a backbone to you. Someone that is the person that you're looking to. And leaning upon, when there is sickness like COVID-19, people suffering, people in pain, people crying and dying. These are distressed situations. People can ask questions, where is God? Why am I going through what I am going through? Why would the Lord allow me and allow this situation to come to me? It could be persecution when you as a Christian, is being persecuted by those who worship false gods and they rise against you, invade your community, invade you and kill you because of Jesus Christ. That can be a distress situation. Distress situation can be a physical storm when there is hurricane, when there is earthquake. Why is God not there to protect me? And so that might be a reason why somebody would say, I don't want to go to the presence of God. Now, listen to the story of this man. He was arrested for preaching the gospel. His wife died leaving him with four children, one of whom was blind, yet he refused to give up preaching the gospel. He wrote his greatest work in the prison cell. It has been a source of spiritual inspiration, help countless of readers. It has never been out of print since the year it was published. In 1678, that book was published. It has never been out of print. It has been translated into 200 different languages. It tells the story of a person called Christian, person of life of full challenges and persevering faithfully until the very end. The name of the person that I'm talking about here is John Bunyan. And this is his own story. The writer of Pilgrim's Progress. I've seen that movie and I've read the book. It's a Christian classic. An amazing book. Now the devil 
his work is that he tries to stop you from worshiping the, the Lord. That's, that's his work. That's his mission. He tries to stop you. He tries to keep you away from God's presence like Penina. And I, and I believe that, I mean, it, it cannot just be ordinary. Penina is being used in a way to provoke Hannah because she discovered that Hannah was loved by her husband and Hannah's womb was closed by God. It wasn't her undoing. It was the Lord's plan. It was the Lord's mission. And yet she was provoking her in the presence of God. And so that's what the devil does. A lot of time provoke people and make people think that life does not make sense and meaning. Now, how did we get our understanding? In the book of Job, chapter 1, verse 6, and Job chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, it talks about the fact that the devil show up when the children of God are gathered. But the good news is this. The power of God is greater than the power of the devil. God's purpose in the life of his children will always prevail. And nothing will stop it. We need to have that positivity in our minds. That God would always prevail in his plan in our lives. Now secondly, always present your prayer and supplications to the Lord. Always present your prayer and supplications to the Lord. When you find yourself in this type of situation, distressful situation. Now what would be the next thing you would think of? What would be the solution? Pray to God. Present your prayer and your supplications to the Lord. Hannah's prayer was not at all a selfish prayer. She knew that the only solution to this problem is when I present myself in the presence of God. I'm not only presenting myself in the presence of God to keep quiet, but when I present myself in the presence of God, I need to open my mouth. I need to converse with God in his own presence. I need to pour my heart. I need to pour my soul to God in his presence. And that was what Hannah did in this place. And the motive was to honor God. She wasn't even thinking of herself. Oh, Lord God, if you give me a son, I am going to give him back to you. And so what James tells us in James chapter 4 verse 3 is that when you pray and the motive of your prayer is to honor God, God honors such type of prayer. That it's not all about me, but all about him. He honors that. And so she, she has that understanding and pour out her heart to God and declare to God and, and vowed and if you give me a son, I am going to offer him to you. And he is going to be a Nazareth. A Nazareth is a person, or they were persons who, you know, were dedicated to the service of the Lord in the Lord's temple. And there are a lot of things they have to avoid in order that they would be fully consecrated and dedicated to the service of the Lord. I mean, you can see a lot of those things in Numbers chapter 6 from verses 1 to 21. Hannah was troubled within her spirit. And she does not want to remain in distress. Not at all. 
And so she was challenged by Peninas. Peninas consistent ungodly actions. She was challenged by it. She was not comfortable with it. She was challenged to the extent that Hannah became jealous. And now, let me clear myself here. The type of jealousy that was exhibited by Hannah in this place is a righteous inclination. She was moved within her spirit in a righteous way. And she made godly moves in a way that will honor God. And she cried out to God. That is the only solution that I have. And it's just clear to what Paul will tell us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. When Paul says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, you know, he says by prayer and petition. He says with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Anna did that. And when you do that as a Christian. Now listen to what Peter says. When you do that. That we have a God whose eyes are open to the righteous. And we have a God whose ears are open to hear the cry of the righteous. And so when you go to his presence. When you cry out to him. He hears. He sees. And so people, R.C. Sproul says uh, this about prayer, and I quote, it says, people who do not believe that prayer matters are people who don't simply pray. Now, if you flip through the pages of the scripture, now you see Elijah prayed when he was encountered with, you know, the 400 prophets of Baal, he prayed to the Lord Almighty and the Lord showed up in that situation. Daniel believed that prayer matters. Apostle Paul himself believed that prayer matters. Jesus Christ himself believed that prayer matters. In Hebrews chapter 5 or 7, he prayed and cried out to God. And I believe Pastor Nate also believed that prayer matters. I Believe that prayer matters. You need to believe that prayer matters. And that was why Hannah had to show up in the presence of God. To cry out to God. For James tells us in chapter 5 verse 16. The effectual prayer of the righteous avails much. It avails much. Now, in the text where we have read, there, there's also uh, this sense of what Hannah has shown to us. Always have faith in the Lord when you find yourself in distress. In this time that we are in, you cannot be faithless. Once upon a time in the life of the Israelites, when they were journeying through the wilderness, there were challenges of people who once believed in God and have seen the mighty works of God. God delivered them from Egypt and was taking them through the wilderness. At some points when there were challenges, what happened? They became faithless and that was dangerous for them. When situations are arising, we have to be a people who would have faith in God. I've seen that displayed in the life of Hannah. Hannah asked 
in accordance to the will of God. And even Jesus himself, when his disciples were in sorrow, Jesus told them, hey, you know what? The only way you would not go through sorrow is when you ask anything in my name. In John chapter 16, verse 24. Ask and you would receive. And he says, I would make your joy complete. In another word, I would substitute your sorrow with joy. And so, it tells us why it is important to run to God and to cry out to God when you are in the midst of distress. I think in the text where we have read, Elkanah wanted Hannah to trust him. Now you hear the words of Elkanah even when Penina was throwing missiles to Hannah. Elkanah said to Hannah in verse 8, he said to her, Why do you weep, Hannah? And why do you not eat? And why is your heart sad? Am I not more to you than ten sons? Those kind of words that you would tell your wife or your spouse when, you know, they are in trouble or when they are worried or when they are passing through pain, you want to reassure them your love, all right? And you want to kind of spark this hope and, uh, 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 you know, make them be strong and encourage even as they go through that situation. And so Elkanah, loving his wife, was able to bring out these words in so that Hannah would be uplifted in her moments of worry. But you know what Hannah did? Hannah, instead of listening to the admonition of her husband, Hannah quickly had this understanding of the admonition of, of, of King David in, in Psalms 146, verses 3 to 4, where David says, Put not your trust in the Son of Man, where there is no salvation. When his breath departs, he returns to the earth, and all his plans perish. And so church, the only one that his breath cannot depart is Jesus Christ. Put your trust in him. And so Hannah was right when she believed in the Lord. Even after pouring her heart to God in his presence. And this was the kind of situation that even Jeremiah in Lamentation chapter 3, who went through some type of distress, Jeremiah at the end had hope in God. And he exclaimed that this I call to mind. Therefore, I have hope in God that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies are new every morning. They don't come to an end. Great is the Lord's faithfulness. Now, as, as a believer, that is the type of attitude that we should build. Hannah, at Shiloh, made herself available in the presence of God. Hannah prayed fervently to the Lord. Hannah trusted God in that place. And Hannah 
Her faith was expressed clearly in the words of Samuel, even when Samuel misunderstood her and misread her actions. Samuel thought that this woman was drunk. She didn't know that this woman was pouring the entirety of her heart to God because of the pain that she is going through. Hannah prayed fervently to God and cried out to him. This man said, why are you drunk? Put away your drink. And she said, my Lord, that's not it. You got it wrong. I am just pouring my heart to God. Isn't that a good thing for a Christian who is going through distress? This is a time for us to fervently be in prayer. Because you never can tell, you don't know what tomorrow holds. This is a time that we need to pray for America. And not only to pray for America, to pray for the world. This is the time. Because you never can tell. And when this man understood that Hannah truly was pouring her heart to God, he said to her, go in peace. These are the very words that Jesus will use to so many people who were in distress. In the New Testament, when Jesus meet with people who are found in distress, Jesus will say to them, go in peace, for your faith has made you well. The same phrase, Samuel, I mean, um, Eli used in this place. Go in peace. And immediately her action showed that she believed and she trusted God that truly in his presence, God heard her cry. And it tells us that her inclination changed. She left that place happy. No wonder, you know, Paul would tell us in Philippians chapter 4 verse 7 that we would experience a peace that transcends all understanding. In the world, you will not find that type of peace. In Christ, yes, you would find it. In his presence, when you call upon him, you will find it. When the world is experiencing turmoil, when there are uprisings in the world, sometimes Christians are misunderstood because they believe in going to the presence of God. They believe in crying out to a father who gives peace that transcends all understanding. And God is faithful to do it to you when you go to him. When you go to him, he's faithful. You might be here this morning, seated here in the presence of God, you don't, probably you don't even know him. You don't have an intimate relationship with him. You might, you might be here this morning, seated in this place. Your trust and your confidence is in man and not in God. Now remember, David says in Psalms 147, there is no salvation in man. Salvation is only found in God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus came into the world and 
wrapped himself in human flesh. Jesus died in this world the most shameful death. On the third day, God raised him from the dead according to the scriptures. He came in a manger and has gone to prepare a mansion for us. He came into this world as a suffering servant, but will return as a mighty king. That at the mention of his name, every knee must bow in heaven and on earth and beneath the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Ladies and gentlemen, salvation is only in Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus is calling. Come to him. Oh, ye who labor. And a heavy burden. Oh ye who are in distress. And pain. For you will find rest. For your soul. And I pray this morning. That the rest. That can only be found in Jesus. Would not bypass you. As you trust him. As you call upon him. You will truly find rest. May the Lord bless these truths in our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Father, thank you so much for your word that is truths that are everlasting. Thank you so much for the honor and the privilege to stand to proclaim these truths to your own people. Oh, mighty Redeemer, I pray that these words will resonate in our hearts, in our minds, even as our lives will be renewed by the power of your spirit. And I pray that those who do not have a relationship with you, that Lord, your spirit will convict them of sin, that their lives, oh God, will be regenerated by the power of your spirit, that Lord, they will begin to live a new life in Christ Jesus and be the light that you want us to be in a world that is covered with darkness. Please, Heavenly Father, let your word touch us in such a way that eternal truths will be deposited in our hearts. That we would be productive as Christians in a world that is crooked and perverse. My God and my Father, please continue to honor yourself in our lives. In our homes, everywhere we find ourselves. In Jesus' mighty name I pray. Amen.